Hello and welcome back or welcome to the Riley Breakfield Show. I am your host, Riley Breakfield. I hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday morning and I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed the Thanksgiving holiday with your fa- friends and family or however you spend it. Maybe you spend it alone. I don't know. I don't control the world and how people live their lives. But you can find this show every Tuesdays and Fridays on Apple podcast spotify youtube you name it it's probably there i upload it to everything so just don't forget to like share subscribe send to your friends family love people ex-lovers whatever you got to do spread the word you know i think i'm doing all right so spread the word today's show gonna hit quite a few topics um you know a lot of news happening and especially the sports world over the weekend a lot was going on i'm gonna hit my top five it's gonna be a good one then just a couple takeaways from the college football weekend, a couple takeaways from the NFL games this weekend, and then finishing off with uh, just my thoughts. Uh, should be a good one too, so stick around for that. Um, currently, I am watching this Steelers-Colts game that I just know is going to be disgusting and the under is easily going to hit, but uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I enjoy watching Kenny Pickett. I was a big fan of his when he was playing for Pitt, so I, I would like to see him have some success in the league. So, But who knows? Kind of surprised they didn't flex this game out because it's kind of a two teams that aren't doing too good this year. I mean, yeah, at the beginning of the season, you might think this could be a good game coming in, but not looking like that. Both these teams are pretty bad. Steelers are possibly going to get a top 10 pick this year. That's kind of crazy. I don't think that happens very often for them. They're usually usually pretty good and always in the playoff. I mean, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, they say. But... Moving over to some college football, um, a lot of big changes over the weekend. Quite a few head coaching positions just got filled. Hugh Freeze, literally tonight, it was formally announced, I believe, that he was for sure taking the job at Auburn. You know, in 12 years as a head coach, the guy's only had one losing season. I mean, he did amazing when he was at Ole Miss. I mean, they had those upsets against Alabama. I mean, who, who he did it when he was at Ole Miss. He probably could do it at Auburn. So Auburn going for the beat Nick Saban factor there but you know it comes with a lot of baggage there was the the scandals the affairs with hookers and paying for hookers for recruits and stuff I mean they they got fined big time with scandal after scandal and sanctions and shit sanctions it was a bad look for him but you know he rejuvenated himself went to uh the most what is it the biggest the biggest Christian school there is in the country Liberty University it's the same place where the that scandal where the, the two couples uh, groomed the one kid. It's the same school. It's all the same place. Big Christian background behind it. But that's where Hugh Freeze has been the past couple of years, you know, and he's he's done very well at Liberty. I mean, he just had Malik Willis there last year. You know, there's a, a third or fourth round draft pick right there at quarterback. You know, people thought he could be a first round, all that jazz. So, you know, I mean, the guy he can coach, he flat out, like I said, 11 out of 12 seasons he's had a winning season every time he's been a head coach he's he's done a phenomenal job and I don't I don't see I don't see that not happening at Auburn I think he's gonna find a ton of success I mean Gus Malzahn had a success there um Gene Chizik had success there like Tommy Tuberville was was a fucking rock star there in the early 2000s so they've been a very very popular team up there at the top upper echelon of college football you know they either have a really good season or a really bad one but I think getting Hugh Freeze is going to kind of definitely make the SEC West probably – the SEC West is going to be the best division next year. I mean, you think about it, Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. 
Then you got Jimbo's dumbass, which if he hires a competent offensive coordinator, Texas A&M is all of a sudden top tier. And then Arkansas, you know, if they get lucky, I don't know. They'd probably be on the, the low man on the totem pole. But, man, the SEC West is going to have some really good coaches. It's going to be a tough division the next couple of years, man. Yeah, I actually might have to change something that I'll talk about later in the show. But moving on, you know, Nebraska, they hired Matt Rule. Um, on the outside looking in, it looks like a good hire. I think it's a it's a smart hire. He's he's proven that he can win until I saw a stat that I found out he was 0-11 against the top 25 in his time at, as the head coach at Baylor. 0-11. Big games they always seem to lose. They always seem to lose. Well, and you're like, well, maybe the, the Big 12 was just really good. No, the year that they got second, his last year there before he took the Panthers job, there was only, what was it, two teams that were, there's only three teams that had an eight and four record or that were competent and good, I believe. Three or four, maybe it was four actually. But like it was a very down year in the Big 12 across the board. So I don't know. It could pan out. I mean, he, he's he's proven he can win in two different places. So why not Nebraska? But I don't know. So after seeing that own eleven stat, man, it really worries me that maybe he's not going to be a a good big game coach. I mean, he never performed at the NFL. You know, maybe those those things are going to find themselves out real quick. So we'll see what happens. Though I think it's definitely an interesting hire that could really work out, or it could be a disaster. Luke Fickle leaving Cincinnati to take the Wisconsin job. Probably going to go down as the best the best hire of this offseason. I don't know how long Lou Fickle plans on staying there. I don't know what his plans or thoughts are. You know, people might say he turned down some better jobs he could have had last year. But, you know, Cincinnati was in the playoff. They were he, – he built such a solid program there off of what others had built. I mean, Cincinnati has been one of the top-tier programs since the early 2000s. They've, they've been there. They won Big East titles. I mean, they, they went in the AAC. You know, they're going to – whoever their next coach is – so they go in the Big 12, and he's probably going to find success because Cincinnati just as they've been there. I mean, I think moving to the Big 12 is a big move for them. But for Luke Fickle, I, I think it is the right move to go to Wisconsin. Um, you know, if he can build it at Cincinnati, I think he can build it at Wisconsin. He, you know, he was getting some top-tier level recruits, putting out some top-tier talent in the NFL. I mean, look at Sauce Gardner, you know, perfect example right there. So I think Wisconsin's very dangerous to look at now. I mean, the Big 10 West is not that many good teams there's i mean iowa's had up and down years i mean i think they're on a real bad downhill turn nebraska's still rebuilding pj fleck you know he's he's done a quite quite a good job there brett velma's done a pretty good job at illinois um jeff brahm's been pretty good at purdue but i think luke fickle's a better coach than all those guys and i think he can really help elevate a wisconsin program that needs a needs a new face in there somebody that's not a part of the program necessarily you know somebody that didn't play there just a new fresh face that can kind of turn things around i mean he's already going to come in with some pretty good talent i mean brilliant allen's a hell of a back and you know i don't know what the deal is with graham mertz if you know he's just not what he was meant to be but if he is you know i think luke fickle can find a way to to find out I, I put the right guys in place and i think they'll get a top tier quarterback i think they're definitely be looking at possibly in the fringe top 20 top 25 team next year that's it's a brilliant hire i think they're gonna find a lot of success in year one under luke fickle kind of a low-key but not necessarily too low-key willie fritz head coach at tulane getting the head coaching job with georgia tech it seems it's not officially signed yet but it seems like it's more than a done deal i mean he's had a an amazing year at tulane 10 and 2 this year the year before they were 2 and 10 so 
hopefully he can find some success and bring Georgia Tech, you know, back to a top tier program like they used to be. But we'll see. But by far, probably, I don't know if the biggest, but as far as new job openings, you know, Cincinnati now open, Liberty now open, nothing too big, too lame, eh, you know, not too crazy. You know, you probably put Cincinnati one, but with David Shaw stepping down at Stanford, I don't know if Cincinnati is now one of the better jobs or if Stanford would take that cake. I mean, what else is still out there? Colorado is still out there now. Arizona State, no, they hired Kenny Dillingham, who seemed youngest head coach in collegiate football. So pretty cool news there. I forgot about that one. I'm trying to think. Colorado, I think Georgia Tech may, might still, they might switch and go some in a different direction. I didn't, wasn't for sure done deal, but it seemed like it was close to wrapped up. But I think, I mean, Stanford, Colorado, Cincinnati, those are the three big ones that off the top of my head, I, I'd say Cincinnati probably won, but Stanford really has a chance to be that number one school, just the same as I'd say Colorado would. But, I mean, Jim Harbaugh built something special there. You know, David Shaw built off of it and found many years of success, but the past couple of years they've just kind of dwindled. And they've had they've had the quarterback talent, though. I mean, Tanner McKee, the kid that's there now, he's just like Davis Mills, you know, flew under the radar because Stanford didn't play good, but ton of pro potential there. Definitely a job that I think – a high level guy or somebody somebody's good. I hope Stanford gets the right guy and I hope they can kind of get back to the success that they were finding, you know, the early 2010s here. So we'll see. I'm, I'm really rooting. I'm really rooting for someone good to go to Stanford. I'm still rooting for some, uh, there's been rumors about Deion Sanders going to Colorado, which I think would be pretty phenomenal. You know, that'd be a sick move. And wherever, if Deion takes a, a power five job, he's going to literally turn him into one of the best teams in the country. I mean, what he's done at Jackson State, the quick turnover they had, the talent he's able to recruit. People want to go play for Coach Prime, man. I mean, his the way that he's played his career, his attitude, just who he is as a person, that that appeals to every young man in the country. Like, Dion's a winner. He wants to win. He wants the best for his players. Like, who doesn't want to go play for that, man? So wherever Dion goes, if he lands somewhere, it's going to be – Definitely hellfire for whoever they have to play in conference. I mean, they could make the playoffs year one. But that's about all for college football at the time. Moving to a couple of little NFL things here. Um, a couple funny things. Um, Lamar Jackson uh, started clapping back at the haters. Uh, this is the tweet right here. When someone is asking for over $250 million guaranteed, like at Lamar Jackson, games like this should not come to come down to Justin Tucker, let Lamar walk and and spend the money on a well-rounded team. Is what he is what this tweet was. Lamar replies, "Boy, shut the fuck up. Y'all be capping too much on this app. Motherfucker never smelt a never smelt a football field. Never did shit but eat dick. Hilarious. I I personally I love when athletes do this. But before I get into that, some ESPN writer hurried up typed up a quick article about how he used an anti-gay slur and all this shit like that and was bullying the guy, I think, too. But, like, the anti-gay slur is like, no, he didn't. told to eat a dick. It's not gay. It's just people say it to each other all the time. It's such a stupid thing and just for just for clicks. That's, like, piece of shit move. Like, you really shouldn't be a journalist, in my opinion. But for what Lamar did, I think it's it's warranted. I feel like athletes are allowed to do that. Why shouldn't they be? I mean, you're going to sit here and talk shit, but they're just supposed to sit there and just be minding my business. No, fuck that. Not every, you don't have to sit there and take anybody's shit, so they're going to fucking clap back if they feel so inclined. And sometimes, yeah, it may come off wrong, and sometimes you're, like, fresh off the loss, but who the fuck cares? 
They're people too. That we should treat them as such. They should be allowed to voice how they feel and tell people to fuck off and eat a dick. It's natural human behavior. I'd say that to my friends all the time. Eat a dick. Fuck off. Whatever. It's not that big of a deal and don't make it one. By far one of the biggest deals out of the weekend has to be the Washington Commanders, Washington franchise as a whole, the dumpster fire that they are, did it again, promised a statue of Sean Taylor, and instead gave the people a mannequin that had all sorts of different gear on it and stuff that Sean Taylor never played in. It's just kind of a sad move. I mean, Sean Taylor meant so much to so many people. You know, he was protecting his his family from a home invader, and he he sadly lost his life. But he was one of the best football players that, of this generation. I mean, everyone talks about Sean Taylor, man. Sean Taylor, Sean Taylor. What a beast he could have been, and his life was taken too short. And they just can't they can't properly honor the man. I don't know. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's kind of fucked up, really. So. But whatever, you know, hopefully things get sorted out properly. I don't know. It's just a just a bad move on their part, in my opinion. You know, it's a really bad look. Like once again, they're doing they're doing the bare minimum, hoping that it just can get by. So hopefully next year they get it figured out and they can actually honor Sean Taylor properly. But now for a little Hollywood I don't know if this is Hollywood drama, this is just more world drama if you don't know about it. Um Balenciaga clothing brand i believe i'm not really sure with it i'm not too hip on that is in a lot of hot water for being complete psychos and disgusting human beings for running a campaign ad where little girls were holding teddy bears that had bondage and lingerie type clothing on basically almost in a sense you know many people took it as disgusting and kind of playing into that child pedophilia and the the sex trafficking it was just a really gross look which you know you can't be surprised at this shit i mean how many people have tried to come out and say you know this fucked up shit happens all throughout hollywood you know and then i hear something about kim kardashian apparently had a little meeting with balenciaga and didn't really know where she stood with the situation which it's like everyone's like it's confirming child sex ha trafficking happens in hollywood i don't know take a look into it go to reddit it's just it's some it's weird shit it's a weird campaign ad i don't fucking get it it's disgusting so i don't own any but if i did i'd throw it away probably or sell it because i'm a poor bastard um let's get into my gambling the cleavage report um you know obviously pray for chaos parlay didn't hit something i was just trying out probably not gonna bring it back next year because it just does not seem to work it's just long shot trying to get clicks because if it worked i'd be famous you know but cleavage report i went four and eight again this weekend um with a push you know so four four and one you can say um Obviously hit the TCU minus nine and a half. They beat the dog shit out of Iowa State. Hit the game over Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn 22. That was the push, but nailed the Bengals pick. And also the Packers Eagles over. I just had a good feeling about that one. I did miss on that Washington State money line, Kansas plus 12 and Bears money line, you know. But all in all, you know, not a bad wrap up for uh, just giving out my favorite picks, you know, so. Actually, I went 4-3-1. and one. I just had to say that because if I didn't tell you guys, I would be upset for myself at forgetting it. Okay. Now for this week's top five. This week is a projection, a kind of a prediction. It's my top five college football rivalries of the next five years. The ones that I think... That over the next five years are just going to be absolute bloodbaths. You know, one team's going to win this year. One team's going to win next year. 
vice versa, vice versa. They're just going to be a fun rivalry to watch because both teams are kind of trending in the right direction. Number five for me, Kansas, Kansas State. And I know Kansas State blew the shit out of Kansas last weekend. But we all can agree, Kansas saw a huge jump in their progression this year. Absolutely took a huge step forward in them becoming a, a very good top, a very good power five conference football team, you know, contending, getting their name out there, getting into the top 20, getting in the top 10, you know. They're going in the right direction. They just signed Lance Leipold to a huge contract, extension through 2029, I believe. You know, they're trending in the right direction. Then you look at Kansas State, Chris Kleiman doing the same thing. I mean, you know, it's not as, isn't, as big as the you know the Kansas leap that you know the, the jump that they did, but what he's doing at Kansas State, he's put together quite a few good years now, and I mean they played absolute dominant football this year to have a chance to go win the Big Twelve title next weekend. I really think that this rivalry game is trending in the right direction, and it's going to be a fun one to watch for the next five years at the minimum. Hopefully, both coaches stay. Hopefully, it can become a a fun rivalry. I just I can see it. I can see it before my eyes. You know. A top 10 matchup, a playoff spot on the line or something in five years for Kansas, Kansas State on a Saturday night on rivalry weekend. It's, it'd be fucking beautiful. Number four, mostly for what happened this weekend, Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson, you know, we've, we've seen them as a top tier program in college football for the past eight years or whatever. And now it seems like it's all dwindling for them. You know, they, they're not as good as they were two, three years ago. I mean, they haven't made the championship game in three years now. You know, they made the playoffs Trevor Lawrence out last year, and it, it didn't really seem to work out. They got blown out by – oh, they didn't get blown. I don't remember. But, you know, the past couple of years haven't looked too great for them. They kind of seem like they're taking a step down from that top tier to about top tier A, you know. I mean, they're still a good program. They're still trending in the right direction. They're still going to be, you know, having their name in the playoffs towards the end of the year. They're, they're still going to be that type of program. South Carolina, they're obviously trending in the right direction, too. I mean, Shane Beamer's done a hell of a job. Two back-to-back top 10 wins. Awesome. Seems like he's building a pretty good program there at South Carolina. I mean, they have the resources. They're a huge SEC school. They've been good before. They can do it again. Beamer seems like he's probably the guy to get it done. So that one, to me, I think it could be a real fucking bloodbath rivalry to watch for the next next five years, especially once that 12-team playoff comes in. Both teams are kind of sitting there on the outside looking in possibly, or one's in, the other needs to win, you know, to get in really. So I think it can be a hell, hell of a rivalry. Number three, sticking just this one to the SEC East because it plays big is Georgia-Tennessee because it's going to play big for the next five years at a minimum. Kirby Smart's obviously put himself up there as a top five, top three coach in college football, probably even top two if he goes and wins back-to-back. Georgia's Georgia. I mean, there's a chance that we're going to be looking at them as the next Alabama as Saban gets into his older years here. Kirby Smart is the guy for the job. He's building something special. I mean, they've how many SEC championships have they been to? How many 10-win, 9-win seasons has he already put together? How many playoff appearances? He's doing it all at Georgia. Tennessee had a really, really good year. Heupel's got the fucking Vols buzzing. Vol Nation loves it. I mean, 10-2, and two, one of the best years they've ever had. They're trending in the right direction, and they're probably not going to stop. They have a huge line of – I mean, Joe Milton's probably going to start next year. They got Nicholas Imaleva coming in. That kid can fucking sling it, you know. Tennessee's not going to get worse. They're just going to get better, and that game is probably always going to decide the SEC, SEC East in a bid for the SEC Championship, a playoff spot, whatever. It's going to be such a meaningful game in the next five years. Number two, I'm going to get a lot of hate for number two because it's at number two. 
Michigan, Ohio State. Multitude of reasons. I mean, it's, you know, Michigan's finally won back-to-back. They haven't done that in so long. Seem to be taking down Ohio State. We obviously saw that this weekend. They they beat the shit out of them. Ohio State, you know, they're still top top 10 program in the country, probably top five. They still get the talent. They still get the players. Can the coaching staff figure it out and beat Michigan? I don't know. Ryan Day seems to be slipping. We'll see. It's only at two for me because I just don't know. I still don't believe in all this Michigan hype. I, I still don't believe in Jim Harbaugh necessarily. I think they're still going to get blown up in the playoff. Ohio State, I don't know it's with Ryan Day if he can't beat them. If, if, Ohio, if Michigan wins the next five games and it's kind of all blowouts, it's not that fun. So my number one, sticking, going back to the SEC, and I don't care if you're upset about it, SEC West matchup, Bama-LSU. We obviously saw it this year. Brian Kelly got the job done. We beat Alabama in overtime. Done deal. Saban's probably going to come back and beat us next year at home in Tuscaloosa. Then you know what? We're going to come back the next year. Boom. We're going to beat them. Or Kelly wins next year. Saban wins too. It's just going to be a battle. I mean, we're seeing now with this new new era in college football, Saban's taking a little bit of a dip. I mean, yes, they lost two games close, but they also could have lost three more games, had five losses this year. It's been up and down for them. I mean, they've got lucky. They haven't got so lucky. But it's still Nick Saban. He's still going to put together a top-tier program. But if he is slipping, it's dangerous for him. It's dangerous for Alabama as a whole. LSU easily can take over the SEC West right now. We're in prime position. But still, it's Nick Saban. So I think, to me, that one's going to be one that's always going to be deciding a one or a two or a three spot You know, in the college football playoff. It's going to be a bloodbath year in and year out, especially in the SEC West. I could even say, you know, I've made that list before. The Hugh Freeze signing, he even put Bama and Auburn in there somewhere. Like, it's just, SEC West is going to be a tough bloodbath battle, and I'm excited for it. But now moving on to my top takeaways from this weekend's games. There's a lot going on. A lot of crazy shit. Let's get into it. Why is TCU not a lock for the college football playoff? They have just as many wins. As Georgia, they have just as many wins in Michigan as Michigan. They've played more ranked teams. They beat more ranked teams. It's, I'm pretty. They have. I know they have. And to me, the Big Twelve is probably top to bottom the best conference in college football this year. Power Five level, it's the best of the best. I think this year. SEC, you know, close, but the Big Ten, I think, in my opinion, has been down this year. It hasn't been a good year for them. Not a, not a lot of tough teams. Not a lot of top tier teams. So I don't know. I I don't. I don't get why TCU is not an automatic lock if they lose on Saturday. What if Georgia loses to an LSU team that just got beat by Texas A&M? What if Michigan loses to Purdue? How are they not out? Those are bad losses, technically. I mean, Georgia's wouldn't be as bad, you know, but for Michigan, that'd be a horrible look. So why why if TCU loses to Kansas State, a team they already beat this year? A team they already beat this year. How? And I mean, there's very slim odds that you can beat a team twice year i mean it's happened many times georgia alabama lsu alabama so why is tcu not a lock i just don't get it i mean you look at you look at the big 12 they got eight teams bowl eligible this year 80 percent of their teams were 500 or better the big 10 that's only 64 percent they only got nine teams yeah sure it's more but when you have a bigger conference it's not more 64 percent of your teams may are bowl eligible sec is a little bit closer 11 out of their 14 78 percent to me looking at all the numbers the big 12 looks like the toughest conference there has been all year 
so many teams have been ranked. So many teams have upset teams that were ranked. You know, it's been so up and down and wishy-washy. There's a bunch of good teams there. So why if TCU, even if they lose the Big 12 title game to a team they already beat, why should they be eliminated from the playoff for Ohio State who got their dog shit beat out of them by a Michigan team, by Michigan or Alabama who has two losses when TCU has one? To me, it just makes more sense that right now it's Georgia, Michigan, TCU. That's how it is. USC loses. Yeah, there's a lot of talk there. Ohio State probably slides in or maybe Bama. But even if USC loses, the Pac-12 has been phenomenal this year as well. I mean, transitioning into the, the USC-Notre Dame game, I mean, USC, they got the job done. Caleb Williams keeps on tearing it up. I mean, Notre Dame's a really good team that Ohio State struggled to beat, that Clemson lost to. You know, these other top teams, I think to me, we're looking at the four teams right now, honestly. I think it should just be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. Those four, I hope they all win this weekend. Well, I hope Georgia doesn't win, but I hope that they just win so it can just be that four because I think that's the best four. To me, they've been the best four teams in the country, so why not, you know? But going back to the USC game, there's a little bit of, it wasn't drama too much, but I saw some news writers or reporters or whatever were crying because Caleb Williams painted on his nails, fuck ND. Like, really? Bad look for the kids. Fuck the kids, man. Who cares? Fuck isn't a bad word. You should just say fuck all the time. It's not that big of a deal. And it adds to the, adds to the spectacular, not the spectacular, the drama of the game, the all those words that I can't get out of my mouth, it adds all that to the game because it's like actual little bit of hatred, a little bit of like fuck you energy, you know, to make it more exciting, to make to make it the fans more involved because they're upset that so-and-so said that about their team or, you know, oh, no, I support what he said. Like, it just makes it better. If you're crying about it, stop. It's not that big of a deal. It's, it's cool. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. But I'm also a 23-year-old male who likes to gamble and likes to say the word fuck. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. My LSU Tigers shit the bed all this weekend, you know, and I said said on on Friday's show, I was nervous as fuck about it, and what happened? Went into College Station, and all of a sudden, Texas A&M came alive, and they beat us, and so that really hurt me. Like I said, I knew it was coming, and we'll just have to hope that we beat Georgia. That's all we can hope for. South Carolina, I mean, they did what I thought they would beat Clemson I knew they'd get it out I mean that fumble that was wild I bet Will Shipley just is so upset at himself you know but it happens you know it's a wild way to end the game but you know you got to put a lot of blame on the quarterback in that game eight for 29 passing for 99 yards like, come on that's a horrible stat line horrible stat line I mean you completed eight passes eight passes he threw the ball almost 30 times like what, man? It's it's like embarrassing. That's under thirty three percent. I did, I should have wrote down its completion percentage, but like absolute garbage from one of the best, better teams in college football. It's supposed to be a five star quarterback. Sure doesn't fucking seem like it, buddy. Alabama they blew out Auburn. You know, Iron Bowl. It's still crazy that they still scored like twenty seven points though, or twenty five or whatever. But Alabama easily won that one. They're still they're still alive for the playoff spot possibly. Civil War, I, I knew Oregon State was going to win. I just had a good feeling about that. They got the job done. You know, 21 points in the fourth quarter and come back. And, you know, it's kind of a bad way for Oregon to finish their season. They lost out on the Pac-12 title game. So, sucks for them, but that's just how the dice rolls. Florida and Florida State may finally, you know, be returning to a rivalry that's the fun to watch. Um, 
Mike Norvell, you know, it was a good game Friday night. Florida State got the job done. You know, we'll see. Florida, to me, I don't know. I could see them either going two directions, being pretty good next year, or they are really bad. And Billy Napier ends up getting fired, possibly. Could see that. We'll see. But that one should be fun moving forward. Drake May and the North Carolina Tar Heels came up short, man. It sucks. I was, I've been rooting for Drake May all year. Then he lost his last two games this season. But they still got a chance to go in the ACC Championship. And I think they honestly could probably get it done. I, I think that they probably will. Um, I mean, if, if you think about next year for these guys, if they can get the fucking defense figured out, man, to go with that offense, holy cow, dude. North Carolina will be a playoff team next year, easily. So, hopefully they turn the right direction. I just I was, I was, had some money on that one. I was watching it, so it sucked. But I'll live, I guess. Tulane, we talked about them earlier. You know, they got the job done. They're, we're going on to the AAC title game. So, hopefully... Hope they go out and get the W and get themselves into the Sugar Bowl or something like that. Mike Leach, you know, Egg Bowl was talking about it on Friday's show. I was watching it. Mike Leach finally got the job done, finally beat Lane Kiffin. That was a, a wild game there at the end. You know, Old Miss fans were, were throwing shit out on the field, just like how Tennessee fans did it when Old Miss was playing Tennessee when Lane Kiffin was there. So kind of a funny move, you know, a little, oh, yeah, we were giving you shit about that, and then we end up doing it. So that's the world of the SEC, man. There's a couple NFL thoughts, nothing too crazy before I get into just my thoughts. Uh, Bengals, they're trending up right now. I mean, they got the job done beating the Titans. You know, they didn't have Jamar Chase or Joe Mixon. You know, T. Higgins was balling out, looking like one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL. That catch he had, the game-winning one, basically, that was fucking redonkulous, dude. I, was, I never realized how tall T. Higgins was either. Like, when he was playing at Clemson, I really didn't think he was, like, super tall. I thought he was pretty average height, you know, but... He's fucking he's a tall motherfucker. He's like 6'4", honestly. Man, I told you all about them points in that Packers-Eagles game, though. I knew I just something deep down in my plums told me that there was going to be a lot of points scored in that one. You know, Jordan Love had an absolute fucking bomb for a touchdown. Jalen Hurts just keeps amazing and amazing me. The one thing, though, that does worry me about the Eagles is they can they have a tendency to give up a lot of points, possibly. It's usually when their offense scores a lot, you know. I mean... Think about week one, they beat the the Lions like 35, 32 or something like that, you know. So if the offense isn't cooking and the defense is kind of having a bad day, you know, there might be a chance where the Eagles lose because the defense falls apart and the offense can't get going. So that's something to, something to pay attention to when it comes to playoff time, you know. Think about a high-powered offense that also has a good defense. You could, couldn't, could either go either way, so... I'm sorry if you listen to me about my Bears pick. I had no idea Justin Fields wasn't going to be playing. I found that out after I recorded. So if you listen to me, you're kind of stupid anyways, but I appreciate it. But I didn't. And But if you do listen to me, you got the Browns pick. And I didn't even realize Deshaun Watson wasn't actually playing. I forgot that he actually was suspended for 11 games, not just 11 weeks. So, but Bucks got the job done. Or Browns got the job done. Sorry. Thinking about the Bucks because of uh, Todd Bowles' comments after the game, you know, saying he was worried Tom Brady was going to throw an interception when Tom Brady, I don't think, has ever done that in the fourth quarter overtime. I saw some a stat by Warren Sharp. He he just doesn't turn the ball over when it matters the most. So I don't know why he wouldn't just put the ball in his hands and let him take care of it. Makes too much sense, I guess. The Saints suck. I mean, Dennis Allen needs to get fired. He's done an absolute dumpster fire of a job this year for for the Saints and. It's not really looking like it's probably going to get any better. I don't think he's a good head coach. I mean, he failed with the Raiders. I don't know why he's going to succeed with the Saints. <clears throat> Sticking with teams that suck, though, the Broncos just continue to be an absolute dumpster fire, dude. I 
don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's a bad coach or if it's just Russell Wilson sucks, but Russ is not the same Russ he used to be when he was in Seattle, man. And it is showing apparent. I mean, you got defensive linemen yelling at him for shit. He probably fucking was telling them, hurry up, get off the field, guys. Come on. And, you know, some shit like that. Run past. He's like, okay. So this guy finally snapped and chewed his ass. But I think everyone's over his shit in Denver. And I don't, I don't, they pay him a lot of money. So they're kind of fucked for the next couple of years. So that's just my, 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 my NFL thoughts. I'm going to take a drink of water here before I get my just my thoughts because I might rant on this one for a minute. I might not. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. This is just my thoughts. Just my thoughts. You know, with the Balenciaga news, you know, the disgusting stuff that, you know, they're possibly involved in. Human sex trafficking, child pornography, pedophilia, all that jazz. You know, you see when you go kind of dig into it, you see a lot of stuff of... Other brands they're big time attached to, you know, other celebrities they're big time attached to. Like I said about Kim Kardashian's comments, you know, whether she's with Balenciaga or not, you know, who's which side is she picking? You know, people are kind of coming at her like, so you're basically almost saying that this has been going on for a long time and that child sex trafficking and pedophilia has been going through Hollywood for years and years through these big businesses. You need to start, we need to start looking into that stuff, man. I've, I've, I'm on the conspiracy side of the internet a lot of times, you know, when it comes to the big stuff, especially once the Jeffrey Epstein stuff came out, you know, I kind of got big into that. It was like right when TikTok first kind of was popping off in the U.S., I was I was on there and I was getting a lot of that stuff coming up and saw a lot of disgusting things about the people that were there. You know, I watched the documentaries, all that stuff, and it just look to me, there's no way that there's a lot of famous people that people love. There's a lot of politicians that are just scumbags, and you can just tell but not, it all just gets thrown under the rug. I don't feel like we actually, as a country, take the child pedophilia, the child sex trafficking, sex trafficking in general, all that serious. Because I feel like it's been under the nose of the entire world through Hollywood and big business and the government. I feel like it's always been there, you know, and this is the age where we have the technology to find it out. And I, I personally feel like it's all big conspiracy theory. You know, the more you look into it, the more stuff that gets covered up. Like, how did we never hear about the people that were at Jeffrey Epstein's island? Why did Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, not give out public names of people that were using these services? It's just to me, it's always it's always seemed fishy. And the Balenciaga stuff just makes it seem even more fishy, you know. And all honestly, man, I think about this a lot. I wish I could train to be a Marine and just fucking recruit like a squad by myself and just fucking take out fucking child pedophilia people just pedophiles and pedophiles in general because it's, it's it's disgusting i know that it's going on through fucking big important people in this world and this fucking i put this on youtube i'll put this on spotify and i'll probably get taken down but it's just i know that it's out there and it's so fucking disgusting to me and the fact that it just gets swept under the rug like what can we do to fix it it's a it's a disgusting thing that's going on in this world and we as people can't really do anything about it because it gets shut down you know, and that's why one thing I hope with Elon Musk is on Twitter is that we can kind of, he can change the platform and make it to where the stuff like that can get talked about. And we can, fucking internet sleuths can find out the truth, you know, and then we can do a police investigation. People got their whole lives and they don't do shit, but do that. So, like, fucking set them loose, man. Set them fucking loose. But that's today's show. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll see you back on Friday, hopefully. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Send this to anyone that helps want to change the world and stop child pedophilia. I don't know why he keeps calling it child pedophilia. I, th I keep saying child sex trafficking is what I'm thinking of. But, and pedophilia. 
It's disgusting. No place in this world for it. Hopefully we can all make it into it. But don't forget to like, share, subscribe. I love you. Your boy Titties is out.